Now, when Jesus saw the crowds, he went up on a mountainside and sat down. His disciples came to him and he began to teach them. He said, Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those who mourn, for they will be comforted. Blessed are the meek, for they will inherit the earth. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they will be filled. Blessed are the merciful, for they will be shown mercy. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they will see God. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they will be called children of God. Blessed are those who are persecuted because of righteousness, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are you when people insult you, persecute you, and falsely say all kinds of evil against you because of me. Rejoice and be glad, because great is your reward in heaven, for in the same way they persecuted the prophets who were before you. The second reading is from Romans 12, verses 17 to 21, and can be found on page 1139 of the Church Bibles. Do not repay anyone evil for evil. Be careful to do what is right in the eyes of everyone. If it is possible, as far as it depends on you, live at peace with everyone. Do not take revenge, my dear friends, but leave room for God's wrath. For it is written, it is mine to avenge, I will repay, says the Lord. On the contrary, If your enemy is hungry, feed him. If he is thirsty, give him something to drink. In doing this, you will heap burning coals on his head. Do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. This is the word of the Lord. Well, good evening. Great to see you. Great to see you. Who's a Crystal Palace fan in the room? Oh, come on, there's some of us. Fantastic. We lost yesterday against, against Chelsea. It was awful. So sorry about that, Palace. It was never going to be a win, was it? Let's be honest. Chelsea are a far better team. It's great to see everyone here tonight, even if you're not a Palace fan. It's great to see you. We're going to be looking at this thing of what it means to be a peacemaker. Do not be overcome with evil, but overcome evil with good. Now, I think Christians have actually got a bit of a bad rap in some ways because for some reason to be a do-gooder has become a negative thing, isn't it? If you're a do-gooder, it's kind of a way to to make fun at Christians. Oh, look at those do-gooders. They go around doing good. See, when has it been a bad thing to be a do-gooder? When has it been a bad thing to be someone who stands up for something that they believe in? Someone who says, no, I'm not going to let this injustice take place. When has it been a bad thing to be someone who goes around doing good? 
And actually, we see throughout the centuries, we see people, people like William Wilberforce, who, who stood up because their faith told them that they should stand up for something that they believed in. William Wilberforce was a guy who, who fought for years the slave trade and saw so much ground taken in that area. But he was someone who had a faith, who someone believed in Jesus Christ that had changed him. And so he wanted to see other people changed as well. It's a good thing to be someone who goes around doing good. I'm going to ask you a question tonight. And the first slide, Georgie, if we could get up on the screen, is what is it that breaks your heart? What is it that breaks your heart? What is it that causes a stir in your soul? What injustice do you see and you think, actually, this is not right. This should not be this way. This should not happen. It's not going to happen on my watch. What is it that breaks your heart? Just take a minute just to, to think about that for yourself. What is it that you see around the world? Maybe it's, it's closer to home. What is it that breaks your heart? Just take a moment to think about that for a sec. Tonight we're going to be looking at a character in the Old Testament of the Bible who's one of my heroes, and this is a guy called Nehemiah, a guy called Nehemiah. Now some of you have probably heard of Nehemiah. Nehemiah was, in my opinion, he was an ordinary sort of person. He wasn't particularly special, he wasn't a king, he wasn't a prophet, he wasn't a warrior like many were in the Old Testament. He was an ordinary sort of person, but he was an ordinary person who had his heart broken for injustice, who had his heart broken for something that he saw, that he thought, actually, this is not right. I've got to do something about this. Nehemiah's profession was that of a cupbearer. And you might ask, well, what is a cupbearer? What, what does that mean? It means that he was the guy that, that tasted the wine before the king would taste the wine. He's the guy that tasted the wine before the king would taste the wine. I suppose the equivalent today would be something like you know, a butler or something like that. Now, if you can imagine back in 500 BC or whenever it was, that if you were the guy that was tasting the wine for the king of Persia, King Xerxes at the time, it was a little bit of a risky job. Because there were people that would try and overthrow the kingdom, that would have the king taken off his throne. And so if you were the, the, the cupbearer, you'd be the person that would taste the wine. And, and sometimes that wine, shall we say, might be a little bit off. It wasn't always the best of wines. And, and actually, you'd probably want to have quite good health insurance, probably good life insurance, because sometime, very soon, you might actually be out of a job, maybe even out of a life. So it's not necessarily the best job to be the cupbearer to the king. But Nehemiah had a stir. One day he overheard a conversation with someone that caused him to ask questions. Here's how the story goes in Nehemiah 1 verse 2. Hanani, one of my brothers, came from Judah with some other men. And I questioned them about the Jewish remnant that had survived the exile and also about Jerusalem. So Nehemiah says to his brother, tell me about my people in Israel. Tell me about what's happened in Jerusalem. Okay, and the reason he's asking this is that 140 years prior to this, in 586 BC, there's a little date for you if you're taking notes, write that down. 586 BC, 
a guy called King Nebuchadnezzar, he was the king of Babylon, had come in to the city of Jerusalem and had completely wiped out the Jewish people. Okay, the walls of Jerusalem had been broken down. People had lost their jobs. People had lost their lives. It was, it was devastating. If you've ever heard of Solomon's temple, Solomon's temple was completely wiped out by King Nebuchadnezzar in 586 BC. Okay, so this is what had happened. And Nehemiah hears about this, and he asks himself the question, you know, what, what do I do about this injustice? What do I do about this thing that has happened to my people? What do you do when you don't know what to do? What do you do when you see something that breaks your heart? What do you do when you see an injustice and you think, who's going to do something about that? Maybe it has to be me. This evening, I want to give you three thoughts that I think we see in the life of Nehemiah about how do we start to begin our good work, how we start to become peacemakers, how we start to become people who overcome evil with good. The first is that we need to let this injustice in. We need to sit down and we need to cry. Thanks, Georgie. We need to sit down and let the injustice into our hearts. Verse 4 of Nehemiah One, he says, when I heard about these things, when I heard about the devastation, I sat down and I wept. It crushed me. It broke my heart. What I think is interesting is that when when Nehemiah hears about what's happened to his people, it was 140 years before that this had happened. 140 years before this has happened. And Nehemiah is... He's in a comfortable sort of place. He's, he's hanging out with the king of Persia. You know, he's probably in the palace. He's probably having quite a nice life. He's tasting wine, which some of the time is good, some of the time not so good. He, he's, he's doing okay. He's probably hanging out in the palace, watching the king's 4K TV. He's probably having selfies taken of himself. He's probably posting them on Instagram, the hashtag blessed to serve. You know, we all do that. He's living a comfortable life. Now, I don't know about you guys, but when I'm on my phone and I'm on the news app, which I often do, and I'm scrolling through the news, actually, how often do I just let those things that I read pass on by? How often do I just think, you know, those people are a long way away. You know, it's, it's hard to be them at this time. But actually, how often do I really let those things into my heart? Do I let that injustice go down into my heart to actually be, be moved by this, to sit down and to cry about what happens around the world? And I'm not saying that we should do that with everything, because if we did, then we probably wouldn't get anything done. We probably wouldn't leave the house. But if we challenge ourselves when we're reading the news or listening to the news, whatever it may be, how often do we let that thing actually go into our heart and, and move us and change us? Nehemiah sat down and he cried about what was happening to his people, this injustice that he saw. He had two choices. He could either choose to let it go by, often like I would, or he could choose to let this injustice sink in and to do something about it and to think, actually, this is not right. Not on my watch am I going to see this happen. What is it that breaks your heart What is it that causes that stir inside of you? What injustice do you see around the world that you think, or even close to home, actually, I've got to do something about this. This is not right. 
This should not be the way it is. What is it that breaks your heart? Maybe for you it's the plight of hurting children. Maybe for you it's, it's homelessness. And actually when you walk down Winchester High Street, you see someone sleeping rough at the side of the road. And that's not right. In this country, with the wealth that we have, actually, it's not right that people should be sleeping on the street. Maybe that causes a stir for you. Maybe it's human trafficking. Maybe it's the fact that, that millions of young girls, predominantly, are, are, are trapped in slavery around the world that are used for someone else's pleasure. Maybe it's that. I mean, that's something that's, that's really caused a stir for my wife. Human trafficking is a horrible, horrible thing. What are we doing about it? Are we actually taking a stand for this? Are we letting this injustice sink in? Maybe for you it's, it's Bible poverty. It's the fact that some places don't have access to the Word of God. Maybe it's addictions of some sort. Maybe it's alcohol addictions or drug addictions or pornography addictions that people are stuck in this this trap of sin in their lives that they can't seem to free themselves from. What is it that breaks your heart? Maybe for you it's the fact that millions of people around the world don't have access to clean water. Actually something as simple as a mosquito net would save lives. What is it that breaks your heart? What is it that causes that stir within you? For me, and this is a bit different, a few years ago, and it was a couple of years after I became a Christian, I, I, I took a friend of mine who wasn't a Christian, and I invited him to come to a church, and I'm not going to name this church, and you'll see why in a minute. I invited him to come to this church, and, and we sat in this church, and this guy had never been into a church in his life. And he comes in, we sit through the service, which was fine, it was great, we sung a few songs like we have tonight, listened to a sermon, sat back down, and we're, we're having coffee and tea and biscuits afterwards, like you always do in a church. There, there wasn't bacon sandwiches, unfortunately. It was coffee, tea, and biscuits. And we're sitting there, and, and, and we're, we're basically just like a couple of lemons, no one comes and says a single word to us. Okay, and at this point, I'm starting to think, actually, why, why isn't someone saying something to us? You can see that we're new. Everyone else seems to know each other. Everyone's in their circle, their, their friendship groups. Why isn't something, someone saying something to us? It caused such an anger within me because I thought, actually, this, this friend of mine has come here for the first time. He's never going to come back to church. So I go up to a group of guys that are in a circle talking to each other. And I said, oh, excuse me, excuse me. Sorry, just so you know, I'm new here this evening, and so is my friend. We, we, we've never come to this church before. How are you doing? My name's George. And you'd think at that point, actually, those guys would turn around and say, oh, hi, welcome. Come on, come on in. What do you, what do, you do? Tell us about, a bit about yourself. Can you believe they didn't? They turned back to one another, and they continued their conversation. You see, that caused a stir within me. It made me angry. And actually, I would say that made me righteously angry on behalf of God. Because I would say that when you walk into a church, actually, God welcomes you. God loves you. And so the people of God should also welcome you, should also love you, should, should show that actually they have something in them that is different. And that's why I'm, I'm so passionate about welcome in the church. Because I've been affected by that. I've seen when it goes wrong. And actually, the damage that that can do. 
that caused a stir within me. That broke my heart. And actually, that friend of mine who came to that church all those years ago has probably never gone back into a church ever again because of that. What is it that breaks your heart? You see, for me, I don't worry when this happens, when I, when I get righteously angry about something. I don't think that's a bad thing. I think that's a good thing. I don't get worried when that happens. When I get worried is when it hasn't happened in a long time. And actually, I just go through the motions. Life goes on. I become numb to the things that go on around us that we see in front of our very eyes. As we walk through Winchester High Street, we see this stuff take place all over the place. Yet what are we doing about it? The first thing, and that's what we see in Nehemiah, is he sits down and he lets it in. He cries about it. The second thing that we see in the life of Nehemiah is that he kneels down to pray. He doesn't just cry about it. He doesn't just mourn about it. He kneels down and he prays. He says this, For some days I mourned and fasted and prayed before the God of heaven. Let me tell you this, guys. If it's big enough to cry about, it's big enough to pray about. If it's big enough to cry about, it's big enough to pray about God plus one is always the majority. You know, we go before the God of heaven, who is powerful, who is all-powerful, who can do anything. We go before the God of heaven in prayer. We invoke his power. Nehemiah cries out to God in verse 5. He says, Lord, the God of heaven, the great and awesome God, who keeps his covenant of love with those who love him and keep his commandments, let your ear be attentive and your eyes be open to the prayer that your servant is praying before you day and night for your servants, the people of Israel. How many of us have prayed big prayers and we've seen God show up? How many of us have prayed prayers where we've actually been broken by the thing that we're praying about? That we've actually been stirred by the thing that we're praying about? Because what you pray about says a lot about what you believe about God, I would say. What you pray about says a lot about what you believe about God. If our prayers are simply, God, thank you for this food and God, give me a good day today, then I don't think we've really been changed by what Jesus has done in us. How are we going to be peacemakers in our world that is an evil world? How are we going to be people who go around doing good? We need to get on our knees and we need to pray. To seek God in prayer. That's what we see in the life of Nehemiah. Now, do we realize that that our God is an all-powerful, all-knowing, ever-present, all-loving God who can do anything? That's what I believe. I believe that God can do absolutely anything. And when we pray, we're coming before the God of the the universe, the creator of everything, and we're interceding with him. And he can answer our prayers. And how many of us have seen when God does answer those prayers and how he shows up and how he answers those things? It doesn't always happen. But if you've experienced that, and I have, it's an amazing thing to experience, going before the God of heaven in prayer. How do you begin your good work when you can't take it anymore? You sit down to cry, you kneel down to pray, and then finally you stand up to act. Again, this is what we see in the life of Nehemiah. Nehemiah takes his cup and he goes to the king. His heart is heavy, and the king can tell that his heart is heavy. So in verse 4, the king says to him, Nehemiah, what is it that you want? 
Here he goes again. Then I prayed to the God of heaven, and I answered the king, If it pleases the king, and if your servant has found favor in his sight, let him send me to the city of Judah where my ancestors are buried. Why? So I can rebuild the wall. You see, Nehemiah can't sit around and do nothing. He has to go back to his people. He has to do something about what he's seen take place. I feel at this moment, actually, that God is prompting me just to to share a little bit about my testimony. I became a Christian when I was 18 years old, and I was working in, some of you have heard this before, I was working in the jewelry business in London, and I was getting paid far too much money for a 17-year-old, and it probably went to my head. But for a 17, 18-year-old, I had a lot of questions about life. What, What is the point of life? Is the point just so we can make lots of money and then one day we're going to die? Is the, is the point, you know, just so you can go out with your friends and go down the pub and get drunk? Is that the point? Because that's what I was doing at the time. What is the point of life? And I started to ask questions about, about all of this sort of stuff. And it brought me into a church. And when somebody prayed for me, that's when things started to change. I felt physically different when I accepted Jesus into my life. And this is a personal thing for me, and you have to experience this for yourself, but when somebody prayed, and when I think the Holy Spirit came into my heart, I was different. I went from someone that that wanted to make lots of money, someone that was just bothered about going out and getting drunk with their mates, to someone who actually cared about people and wanted to see something change, wanted to make a difference in our world. I'm not saying this to say, look at me, how marvelous I am. I'm just saying what happened. I left the business, and I went to Brazil, and we were building a church out in Brazil and did a few various other things. But it was God coming into my life that changed me. That's something that I experienced. I can remember when I first became a Christian, I I was so passionate about telling others what I'd experienced. I was was printing off leaflets and getting these CDs. Oh, this is quite funny, actually. I was getting all these CDs of a guy. He's the jellyfish man. Has anyone heard of Ian McCormack? He's got this amazing testimony of where he was stung by a jellyfish and apparently went to heaven and he came back and all of this stuff. You'd have to watch it. I had this CD and I watched this. And I was posting it through people's letterboxes with a little note saying, watch this. If you watch this, give me a call and ask me about this so I can come around and have a chat with you about Christianity. I was that passionate about it. I mean, that's crazy. I think back now, I think, what was I doing? Like posting things through people's letterboxes. That's crazy. But that's what God did to me. He changed me. He came into my life and he made me into a better person. God can do the same thing for you. And maybe, sometimes like me, you actually, you need a top-up. You need more of the Holy Spirit to be working in you so that you can be angry about injustice that we see around the world. Because it's not right. It's not right to let this stuff happen. There was a guy who who came to faith last Sunday night. And uh, I'm not going to tell you his name, but he's been on our Alpha course the last few weeks. And one thing that stood out that he said to me when I met up with him this week, he said, when I prayed, something changed. There was a shift. Something happened in my heart and in my mind. And I became a different person. This guy's still on this journey. 
When you accept Jesus into your life, it changes you. And you want to have a passion to see things change, to see a good work take place. This is what we see in the life of Nehemiah. There's a few guys here this evening that are guests, and I hope that you'll talk to them after the service, because if you don't, I'm going to be angry. (laughs) There's a few guys here that are guests tonight, and a few of us went to a place called Ypres in Belgium about six weeks ago, and I hope I've said that right, Ypres, Ypres, it's in Belgium. It's where the the Menin Gate is, where the thousands of names are written uh, of the young men that died in the First and Second World Wars. It's a very... It's a difficult place to be, actually. Eight o'clock, every single night, the last post is played, they have a service every single night, and it is packed, this place. A few of us went, we went on a car trip, and it was great fun. As we were looking around the, the graves and going to the memor- places of the memorial places, we saw in one of the graveyards all these beautiful white stone graves there was some worn grass around one of them. It's obviously where people had stopped a lot to look at this grave. And it was the grave of a 14-year-old young man, boy, who had signed up to the First World War and had given his life for this country so that we all here tonight can have freedom. 14 years old. I mean, that that moved me when I saw that. 14 years old, disguised himself as an 18-year-old just so that he could fight for his country because it was something that he believed in. It was something that caused a stir in him, that he wanted to have a purpose, that he wanted to fight for something that he believed in. 14 years old. Do we have something that we believe in, that we want to fight for? in our life. Because honestly, if we're just lukewarm Christians that just go through the motions, that read the news and are not affected by it, and you know, this, this happens to me as well. But we need to have our hearts broken for, the, for what breaks the heart of God. What injustice causes a stir in you? What is it that you say, actually that's something that I want to be passionate about, that I want to Work towards seeing that eradicated, seeing good work come into that place, to be a peacemaker in our world today. What is it for you? And I'd encourage you, if you haven't got that thing, then get on your knees and pray. God, show me what you want me to do with this life. Show me what good work you want me to accomplish. And as I've said before, if you haven't prayed or experienced the love of God in Jesus... Again, this is, for me personally, it changes your life. And I know that because I've experienced that. And if you haven't done that and you want to do that, then I just want to leave a bit of space now for you to to say that prayer and to, to make that commitment and to ask Jesus to give you that passion, to give you that stir, to have your heart broken for what breaks the heart of God. In a minute, we're going to sing that very song, Break My Heart for What Breaks Yours. And I'm going to ask us to stand and to respond. And if you would like prayer this evening, the prayer ministry team, as always, will be over to my left that would love to pray for you. Maybe there's something specific on your heart that you think, actually, I I want to pray about this thing. 
Come and receive prayer. Pray with someone about that. Maybe you could turn to your neighbor and pray about that thing. Maybe you don't have that passion, that stirring for something specific. Maybe you want to have something that you can fight for, that you can work in for good. Receive prayer about that. We go before the God of heaven in prayer that can change anything, that can do anything, that is almighty, that is all-powerful. So I'm going to invite the band to come up and to play. I'm just going to leave us a moment to respond. And if you would like to, to say that prayer or to accept Jesus into your life, then there's a moment that you can do that now, and I'm going to pray. Thank you, Lord Jesus, that you are in the business of changing people. Lord, thank you that you gave your life for us. That you were the ultimate sacrifice. That we might have freedom, that we might live a new life in you. Thank you that you give us all those things. And Jesus, I pray for anyone here this evening that that doesn't have that and that wants that, I pray, Lord, now in the name of Jesus that you would come into their lives and that you would change them. And it's a bold thing for me to say, Lord, but you can do it. So I pray that you would do that now. Holy Spirit, work in people's hearts and in people's minds here this evening. I pray too for the injustice, Lord, that we see around the world, things that are not as they should be. And Lord, I pray that you would give us a passion, that you would give us a stir within us, Lord, to to do something about it, to follow the example of Nehemiah, to actually let that injustice in, to turn to prayer and to stand up and act. Lord, help us break our hearts for what breaks yours. That is a big prayer to pray. Come Holy Spirit, we pray. In Jesus' name, amen.